Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode we'll dig into the inspired and very real life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriters is for you. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm Monique Shaw, aka The Rewriters, founder of Rewrite and your host. I'm a coach, writer, and brand storyteller, and my mission is to empower you to rewrite your story from the inside out to create a career or business and ultimately a life that works for who you are and how you want to live. The rewriter in today's episode is Marianne Cantwell. Marianne is the author of Be a Free Range Human, the founder of Free Range Humans, and a TEDx speaker. Her talk, The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In, has over half a million views to date and counting, and was named by Entrepreneur.com as one of the top 10 TED Talks to watch to overcome a fear of failure. Her work and her ideas have been featured in Business Insider, Inc.com, BBC World, The Guardian, Psychologies Magazine, Forbes Business Week, and much, much more. I'm really excited to bring you today's episode and was actually a bit giddy and gushy in the interview, which I'm sure you'll be able to hear because Marianne is someone who directly inspired my own rewrite. So I heard Marianne interviewed on a podcast back in 2019 and she was talking about her work and her own story and I immediately bought and read her book, which I completely devoured, and around the same time finally took the decision to hand in my notice at work. Be a Free Range Human really helped me to dream and to shape how I wanted to work and how I wanted to live as I conceived and fleshed out my vision for Rewrite. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Marianne shares her own story from a job she hated to a business she loves and all of the steps along the way. She also offers loads of really practical advice on how to go about doing things in your own way, playing to your unique strengths and the power of your differences. If you do enjoy this conversation as much as I did, there are a number of ways that you can access the fantastic work that Marianne does. You can buy her book, watch her TED Talk, sign up to her weekly Friday love letters. And if you are listening to this before the 16th of May, 2021, you might also be able to get a spot on her latest program, Secret Superpowers. I'll pop all of the relevant links in the show notes for you. Whilst you're in the show notes, you can also check out how you can work with me too on your next rewrite. So later this month, I'm opening up doors again for my flagship program, Rewrite Your Career Story, which will start up again in June 2021. This is an eight-week group coaching program that I developed for ambitious professionals who are finding that their career just isn't working for them anymore. They know that something needs to change, but they're just not quite sure what that is. If that's you, we will rewrite your career story from the inside out, looking at everything from values, how you spend your time, your boundaries, your non-negotiables, how you can harness the power of your personal brand. I have a background in brand, so I bring that technical background into this as well. Your skills, creating and maintaining change, inner critic, limiting beliefs, and then how you can put all of that into action. I run the program as a one-to-one or online only option throughout the year. So you can usually access that program if you just want to do it one-to-one or online only, but I only run the groups three or four times a year. So if you have been feeling bored, stuck, overwhelmed, 
underwhelmed, frustrated, and desperate for clarity and a way forward with work, then why not work with me on rewriting that story? Links are also in the show notes, and you can find out more information by following me on Instagram at the rewriters, that's at the underscore rewriters, or visiting my website, rewriterewrite.com. And finally, don't forget to share this episode with anybody who may benefit from it, certainly if they've been thinking about quitting the corporate nine to five and starting their own thing and give it five stars if you like it. Okay, that is definitely enough of me talking. So let's get on with my conversation with Marianne Cantwell. Marianne, welcome to The Rewriters. I am beyond excited to have you on the show today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. So I have a very well-thumbed copy of your extraordinary book, Be a Free Range Human, which I recommend to people all the time. And I've actually started giving to all of my one-to-one and group clients on my Rewrite Your Career Story programs. Because to me, it's not just recommended reading. This is, in my opinion, essential reading for anybody who is in a job and questioning, is this it? Is there another way? So I'm clearly a bit of a super fan, but for listeners who have not discovered your work yet, Can you share a little bit about your story and how you came to live a free range life and help thousands of others to do the same? Well, so for me, I mean, as I'm sure you listeners can hear, we're both Aussie originally. Uh, And so I grew up in Australia, uh, but with my parents being from two different countries. So from a, like from a young age, I had the experience of there was nowhere I could go where it felt like I came from there. So I always felt like I didn't quite fit. You know, I was a bit of a nerd at school, so I didn't really fit into any particular group, but I was always really good at playing the part, right? Mm. And so I grew up, I think as most of us did, with this idea that if you do the right things and you tick the right boxes, then you'll get this reward at the end. You'll get the life that whatever it is that you're meant to have. And so I did that. I was like, well, that seems to make sense. So I did really well at school. I was top of my class, uh, same with university, uh, top of my class there. And then I went off to London to take a little break before what was meant to be an academic career. which never <laughs> happened. So I was like, I did the Aussie thing where I was like, let's let's go travel for a few months and work in pubs. And so I did that. And when I was there, I thought, oh, let's maybe I could actually work here. And I basically, I talked my way into working into media. And while my first like, jobs were fun, then I landed what was meant to be a dream job. I was working at Disney um, in the corporate head offices for Europe. And I've got to say, it felt like I was a different person. Mm-hmm. I had always been the person that could like pull things off that just made things happen. You know, I always started projects. I was really like, I felt like I had a lot of life in me. And in that job, that was not how it felt. Every night I would go home and I would basically cry. Like I couldn't understand. I didn't feel like I was, I was faking it completely. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to pull this thing off. Um, and one day I was, I did everything I could to get away from my desk. <laughs> so as we do, so I was like, they do a lot of tra- free training days. I'll go on all of them. And so I got a lot of free, great training. And I went on this one training day, which was actually about personality profiles. And it blew my mind. Like, honestly, I went on that. And what I read about my personality, I was like, there are people like me. This is not a flaw. This is not a mistake. This is not stuff I have to hide. And I remember going up to the guy who ran it afterwards and I said to him, are people like me ever happy in their work? And he was like, yeah, people like you can be the happiest in their work. 
I was like, I, I don't understand that concept. I've never seen it. And he said, well, of course you haven't because frankly, your job is made for your opposite profile. Like, mm. of course. And I was like, oh my God, everything it was a detail oriented job and I'm not a detail oriented person. <laughs> um, and so anyway, from that moment, something had really flipped in my mind and I started thinking really differently. Instead of saying, this is who I'm meant to be, I thought maybe I'm taking up a job that would be someone else's dream job, but it's not my dream job. Mm. And that was a real flip. I was like, I'm in someone else's dream job and I hate this. I hate myself when I'm in it. It was just bad. So I ended up after going through a lot of work, quitting that job, deciding I was going to go off and contract and do lots of things. And frankly, I had no idea what I was doing. And so it failed. I didn't work. It didn't work out. I spent a few months like flapping around trying to work it out and then was like, maybe I just need a different job. So I got a totally different job where I was actually getting paid for the parts of me that I thought weren't good enough before, like the parts that couldn't stop coming up with ideas that were really good at presenting things, even if they weren't as good as details. And I got a job that actually really wanted that and was paying me for that. So that really changed the game, but it still wasn't quite enough. You know, I was working till midnight, midnight some nights. I was trying to, I was often the only woman in a room and certainly the only younger woman in a room. And it just wasn't my vibe. And so after a while, I thought, I need to start my own business. And so i that's pretty much what I did. I started a bunch of little portfolio things, getting firstly getting paid to consult in my old field, then getting uh, start out doing CV and resume writing for people, which is mm-hmm. ironic. If you know what my book's about, I help people get jobs. Anyway, long story short, I started Free Range Humans by mistake. I didn't mean to. It was actually a side project, which was a blog, which doesn't really exist now. And that was what everyone wanted to know about. So I'd be doing all my sensible business stuff and people be like, how did, how did you quit your job? And I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm not an expert. I can't talk about that. Let's talk about this other thing. And it got to the point that one day I was like, screw this. Instead of running a career workshop, I'm going to run a, have a career where you never have to have an office or a boss again workshop. And Mm. that was the start of a whole new phase. So that's how I ended up here. Basically because I didn't fit in kind of led me to create a world where it actually fit me. Oh, what I love about hearing that. I mean, I love all of it, obviously, but what I really love is you went from someone else's dream job, discovered that maybe there was a different way, did a little bit of this, did a little bit of that, a bit of flapping around, tried some different things out and then created this thing by accident, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I've come to, I share with other people as well. And what I love about that is you didn't go from sitting in your job that that you didn't love, that you were trying to sort of escape from Mm -hmm. your desk each day and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a book it's going to be called Be a Free Range Human <laughs> and then I'm going to have it all figured out. You had all those steps in between. Yes. I mean, that is such an important message for people as well because I think people do kind of go, okay, well, where do I start? What do I do next? It's exactly. And I'm, I always tell people, look, everything that you see me do is probably something I really resisted. <laughs> like mm. I remember when I was, I mean, the Free Range Humans blog name, I, did, I thought that was funny because it was low stakes. I was like, that's a funny name. Um, when I... I had a, like a, a business friend of mine in my first year of business say, free range humans is going to be your thing. I was like, are you joking? And I had a list because, you know, I knew marketing, but corporate marketing, I was like, no, no one's going to take it seriously. It's just my blog. 
So I didn't even buy into the name. So like every single thing I do, at some point, I've had a story that told me it's either not enough, like it's not serious enough, or it's too much, or people will Mm. laugh about it. And I think it's just so interesting because now when I have a response of resistance, while I'll still rail against something, I will then get myself to get curious because I'm like, guess what? This is where the good stuff comes from. (laughs) That resistance is saying something. So that's, I think, something we do. You're absolutely right. We don't hear about it. And we think it's like sitting in a cubicle or sitting in maybe even a business that's not quite right. And there's a flash of inspiration. And genuinely, it's not how it works. It's actually a whole progression. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was um, reading through the book, um, I actually read back through my own answer. So at the front of the book, you've got Ooh. the, I think I think you call it the dream section, or certainly I think of it as the dream section where you're allowed to kind of play and explore. And then later on in the book, it's sort of more about road testing and actually like stress testing if this idea will actually work. But up the front, one of the questions was, what is your biggest question or what's the biggest question that you have now? And my answer was, where do I start? Which really surprised Mm. me because I wrote that over a year ago and I have absolute clarity now. I I started and I'm, I'm really, really clear on what I'm doing and where I'm going. I forgot that I had so little clarity just over a year ago, actually. And I think wow. a lot of people do. Yeah. That is, I I love this. I think that is inspirational right there, that it's just over a year ago and you can be in such a different place now. Um, mm. I want to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> of course can I you can. interview you for a second? <laughs> what, I really want to hear this because I think my story is like there's a lot of time in it, and but mm. actually the truth is it happened for me in a year as well. So Mm. I went, not from the first job I quit, which was more of a like, there was no resources out there like there are now. So when I quit that job, but when I quit my my last ever job, it was a year until I was earning as much as I had been in my corporate job. And I actually had just put out free range humans. So, but it's fresh in your mind. So my question is, how was it six months in? How did you feel like in half the time that you've had now? Were you clear then? No. No, I would say actually, to, I mean, my business launching and the UK's first lockdown coincided by two weeks. I, I left my corporate job. I'd already resigned. I had a three-month notice period, but I kind of left, ta-da, and then that <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, so six months in, I would say it probably got a lot murkier before it got clearer. Yes. There was a lot of just moving through and exactly as you say, oh, this feels a bit funny or this doesn't feel good or this does feel good or you know I'm curious about that I'm massive on curiosity and just paying attention and Mm. then kind of scratching at it Um, and so it probably got yeah a lot murkier and harder before it got clearer because I was figuring it out and one of the biggies one of the biggest things um, that I that, that surprised me is because I had left a corporate job and I wanted to live in a different way, I thought I had transcended the <sighs> your work is your worth, you know, achievement climbing the corporate <laughs> ladder. And I just kind of left and thought, well, I've done that now. And it reappears because you're in a different sort of space now. It was actually my husband that said to me, honey, 
you know, you're not where you were 10, 15 years into your corporate career. Like you're starting a new thing. Give yourself some time. Um, oh, so, yeah, I it's a long-winded them. answer to that question, but it's no, definitely I, become clearer. That's why I was wondering because, um, as you said, that I thought actually my timeline was actually more like a year and three – no, it was like a year before I – had my salary, same salary back, but probably a year and three or four months maybe before I was like even as tempted to take free-owned humans seriously. But um, what's interesting is I think of my first six months and it was a tailspin. Um, Mm. I I always think your first, and I say that near the end of my book, your first three months, like some people are like, am I having a like, uh, should I rethink everything? I'm like, no, it's just first three months. That's what happens. (laughs) Like That's cool. And I think it's really important to know that. And that there's such a gift um, for people who are early on. There's such a gift in that early time because you're working out who you're going to be from a perspective of who, how people are going to see you for a long time. And you're getting to play. You're getting. I played with so many versions of me in that time. You know, I played with it in the sense of having different portfolios. I play with it in the sense of having different ways I was coming across. I was trying out collaborations. I was trying stuff out. I'm like, you get to play. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a lot of messaging out there right now that you're supposed to just work it out. And I think it's just, it's incorrect. Like I never hear a story like that. I never Mm -hmm. hear a story that someone just like, oh, I quit my job and I worked it all out immediately. Like that doesn't happen. Like what I think is wonderful is to say, this is what it's going to look like. It doesn't mean you can't get paid well. That, that isn't what it means. It just means that when it comes to your identity and the consistency and what's going to work long term, you're at the phase where you're you're putting the ingredients in the cake. So like be in that phase would be my advice for people. Absolutely. And there is no endpoint, right? I mean, even a, I mean, I'm only a year into my journey. Um, but it's the play phase never finishes that's the beauty of it I'm still playing and exploring and figuring it out yeah, as I go exactly. along exactly yeah you get I think something does shift in that after the first like I'd say four years um you get a lot more I feel like there's a lot more groundedness and certainty like mm. I know what buttons to push to make the, exactly the right things happen I know exactly what to say I know exactly like I I have it's almost like a an ingrained habit now. Like I've, I've got a lot of mastery is the word. I feel I've got mastery and happened after maybe three years. I really got mastery. However, I agree in that while you have that, it doesn't mean you can't play. I think that you're otherwise you stagnate. So I totally agree with that. So the other thing I just wanted to underline, I've got a million questions for you, but the other thing I wanted to underline is I think it sounds like for both of us, the dissatisfaction and, and the, the leave your corporate job timeline wasn't I feel dissatisfied I'm going to quit my job (laughs) no (laughs) not exactly no um I think there's a you know I'm very risk averse which surprises people I really am um and what really helped me as someone who is risk averse was switching what risk looked like so I had the story that it was risky to quit your job because your job was secure. But you've read my book, you know, I don't hold that view now. Um, Mm -hmm. And what flipped it, funnily enough, was, if you remember the 2008 Lehman Brothers crash, you Mm -hmm. remember the, I was in a job where our building was behind Lehman's. And so I was on vacation 
I already knew I wanted to quit my job, by the way. I'd actually was like starting to train as a career coach on the side. I was thinking about consulting. I was like, maybe in two years. And so I, I was on vacation. I was actually in Jordan in the desert. And it was like my first vacation in ages. And we'd gone offline for, I think, five days. I turn on the TV in Jordan and I literally see the view from my office. <laughs> but wow. it's people. Anyone who's younger, you might want to go and look at the footage of this. There's people walking out with all these bankers holding things in cardboard boxes. And I was like, what? Yeah. Did the apocalypse happen? Have I turned off the TV and the apocalypse happened? Anyway, I went back to work and it was eerie. You know, I looked around and I was working like 11 p.m. at night and there were always people in that building across from us. And now I was literally watching their pot plants die. And I was sitting here going, hold on a second. They thought they had job security. Mm. Where's my job security? Like I have a job now, but if I don't know how to generate income by myself, I will never have job security because if I lose my job and the industry goes down, where do I go? And suddenly going back to risk aversion, I flipped my story. And I was like, this is really risky. I'm, And I always tell people who are in a job and who feel like it's risky to quit. I just say, you don't need to quit tomorrow, but I would invite you to change the story of security to be saying, I'm self-employed and I only have one client. And that's what Mm. your job is. And if you have three months notice, you have three months of security. That's what you have. So I think that's the, that's how I, and by the way, in the US, they actually don't have any security. I learned this when I moved here. Um, I live in California now and they are at will. They can go with pretty much no notice. So yeah, anyway, that's a longer story, but yes, I, I, it didn't just happen that I thought about it. It actually took that event. And then I was like, you know what? I've been doing some stuff on the side. I've been trying to work out how to do this. If I don't put my notice in, I will never do the thing. And so I did. Like I did it about two weeks later. Incredible. And I suppose the other thing as well is when you work for yourself or you're doing your own thing, you're not beholden upon somebody else to tell you how much it's worth Mm. and what your ceiling is. Yes. Yes, absolutely agree. Okay. So the... One of the other things that you talk about that I absolutely adore, and you alluded to it uh, earlier on in the conversation, the too much, too little, you know, we are lots of different things. We are multitudes. We have this, we have that. And the way that you talk about it is not only that it's okay to be lots of different things and to not just be one thing, but actually tapping into it is extraordinarily powerful. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So if you look at, um, I did a TEDx talk a few years back called The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In. And it's kind of about that. It's the idea um, of being liminal, which means having a foot in more than one world or a foot in more than one aspect of your personality. So it's like you might be um, super organized, yet also creative. You might be really into the wellness world, but also good at showing up in corporate right? So you might have two, a few worlds or a few ways of being that are a little bit different, or you are an extrovert in an introverted field or an introvert in an extroverted field. So it says something about you is a little bit different. Genuinely, this is so powerful. And I think that, and having, as you heard me share at the beginning, my whole story has always been about fitting in that. And I didn't realize that for years. I, until I actually did my TEDx talk, I didn't realize my story, my personal story in my head had been around fitting in. And then I gave, I wrote that talk to kind of get that story out. And I'd always told myself, 
at in an early age, I was like, that's a, that's a mistake. Like you've got to learn to fit. But as I started doing this work more and more, I started getting really obsessed with leaders. Like who are people who are really thriving in what they're doing, are in a really good place in themselves, all of that stuff. Do they actually fit the world that we know them for? And the answer genuinely is no. They don't fit the So for example, um, look at someone like Seth, Seth Godin in marketing. He, when he started getting known um, for his work in marketing, he was the counter voice. He, it wasn't like the standard in, in terms of how he wrote, in terms of what he said. But because he was so convincing and all of that, he became the standard and now people compared themselves to him. Look at any, if you're in the online business world, look at any leader within the fields that you're in and get really curious about where they started. You know, I've got example after example where someone who say is louder and extroverted and bubbly at some point was going through and was in a room full of people who were a lot more process driven, a lot more quiet And they had a choice at that point to say, do I tone myself down to fit that or do I create my own, what I call your own island, which is like your own world where I can be that, the, the, the version of me that I am more. And what, whenever someone says that, what happens if you do it, if you do it well and do it right, is that you create a whole new world that people are drawn to. And I've seen the opposite as well. Like people who were like, um, very good at simplifying things in a space full of bubbly like billion ideas a minute extroverts will create a whole even if it's a small following's a, a strong word it could be even just a loyal client base of people who love them for what they do and i think that does that make sense like for me the idea of not just being one thing means that you can inhabit a an industry a world be in a room and you can pass enough to be able to speak the language, to go to the, like, have the conversations, to be in the room, but you can bring something different. And that difference is going to be your edge. You know, no one is known for the things they do that are the same as everyone else. That's not what we're known for. We're known for the moment that's different. Even if that difference is something a bit boring, even if it is, I'm really, really, really organized, that can be a difference if you're in a room of people who are not like that. Um, does that make sense? It does, 100%. It's actually um, one of the things I think that people find the most terrifying, though, because the first thing you do is, well, how, what, what's the way that things are done? How do I do this? What's the approach that I should be taking? Mm. What should I be doing? And they look outside of themselves for the way to do the thing rather than inside of themselves for their way to do the thing. Mm. And it's a very complex one, I think, because it's like – this is why I talk about being liminal rather than being a rebel, right? Because a rebel would say, well, of course I'm going to throw out all the, the the rule book and of course I'm going to reinvent the wheel. And I'll be honest, rebels are can be very enthusiastic and they really get stuck. Like the people who you, not you, but like anyone listening might think of as a rebel, if they are well-known, established, things are going well for them, I would counter that and suggest that they're liminal because it's not anyone's job to rewrite every single way of doing things. So it's actually, mm. it's actually a really, and this is why the way I think why going back to your example, that first six months or however long it's going to take is really messy because you actually are kind of learning what works. Like that's part of it. You're learning what works 
But I'd invite you to widen your net of your view of the things that can work, because you might be looking at someone who's very different from you and looking at their business model, for example. So Mm. like widen your net. And like I see all the time, I see people who are very different to me try to take on a business model like mine. And I'm just like, it just feels like you're setting yourself up for a lot of hard work for yourself. It's easy for me. Here's one that's better for you. You know, so like open your net would be the first one because people have worked this stuff out. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. But the second part of that is, you know, don't the adventure isn't just in finding an idea. The adventure is in finding your way of doing it. So the next stage of the adventure is like, oh, I see there's some people who grow following, some people get trust with people, some people uh, create these connections and tap into other people's world. Like you can look at all this and then just say, let me experiment with the ones that feel closest to home for me, that actually feel the most like right for me and experiment within that. And as you're doing it, you might start to break the rules a little bit and see which rules can be broken and which are kind of like there for a reason. Like, you know, we don't go out and try to break the rule of gravity because it's it actually works. Um, but, you know, the rule of like how you're supposed to look is one that you can definitely break. It's an experimentation. It's like saying, hey, let's not, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but let's make sure we're looking at the right types of wheels and that you're playing. And it's that sense of play that you brought up before that I think, I think that's what we're talking about, right? Is it, It's a permission to play. Absolutely. And understanding what, what I'm, what I'm hearing when you describe that is don't not understand the rules of play, the principles, the landscape, the kind of environment, understand that, get fluent and familiar, and then Mm. bring your whole self to it, bring your, as you say, your edge to it, Um, how you can operate in that environment. It helps to understand what the kind of basic structures are or what the agreed yes. principles might be and then yes. throw yourself into the mix and and help yourself to stand out by being who you are but don't yes. necessarily just throw the rule book out and be a total a total rebel and kind of try to blow the whole thing up yeah i think it's like it exactly it's a little bit of everything right like it's the idea of like one of the most helpful questions you can ask is why so if you know you see a way of doing things and you're not like, and it feels like it's constricting you. Number one, honor that. There's probably something true to that, right? If it's constricting you, that's probably maybe there's something that doesn't fit. The next thing I'd ask is why is it necessary to do that thing? The amount of clients who I t- I say to them, why are you so stressed about posting on social media? Why are you posting so much? You're not mm. getting anything from it. Like you're not getting anything from your posts. So why is this the biggest stress point in your life? And they're like, because that's what you're meant to do. And I'm like, no. Why do we post on social? Oh, to get clients. Is that working? No. Okay. Well, maybe you can just like stop it for a few weeks because it's not working and you can look at what will work. Maybe it's a different type of posting. Maybe it's a different, entirely different attraction model, right? And so I think when we ask why we regain our power rather than giving it away to others. You know, when I take on a tried and tested method, it's because I've actually asked why. And I'm like, hey, you know what? That makes sense. And it makes sense for me. Right. And that's it. It's like at every point it has to make sense for you and it has to make sense. So sometimes the things we see as rules are actually pretty arbitrary and they're just habits that people have gotten into. 
And they're just ways that work for one person. Now everyone does it. I know this because I've been the person it worked for and everyone did it. And I was like, you guys did not get the history of why I did that. And it was super random. And no, you didn't, everyone didn't need to do that. So sometimes, you know, asking why will lead you to do something that looks rebellious to others, but it's just pretty sensible. Mm. Sometimes asking why will be like, you know what? Like, for example, niching. I get asked this a lot. Oh, does this mean I don't have to niche? I'm just like, well, why do we niche? Why do we pick a niche? So we know who to have a conversation with. So we know how to talk to them. So it sounds like it's pretty sensible. Um, but, you know, when you ask why, why do we niche, we take away a lot of the shoulds at the same time. It was like, oh, all I'm doing is being able to have a clear conversation with someone because I know who I'm talking to. Oh, that seems easier. And there's a lightness to it. Now we can change the game. So it's like we ask a different question by asking why am I doing this and how is this serving what I'm doing? And once we get more clarity on that, then we can sometimes break the rules of how we do it because we now have agency. We haven't outsourced our agency to someone who we call an expert. Early on in my business, um, it was in the times when everyone was into like in-person networking. I went along to in-person networking events, really not my place. Um, so not where I shine. <laughs> and I remember, and I did this and I was like, why do we do this? Well, to get clients. Does this make sense? Well, it makes sense because people do it and it works. And I was like, and does this have to be the way it works? And I was like, clearly it doesn't have to be the way it works. There must be other ways that are better. And from that place, I was able to go, well, for me, the sort of networking that works for me is connecting with peers who I really vibe with and can form collaborations with or can tap into their networks. And I was like, that was my version of using networking was one-on-one um, going in from a position of kind of authority of already, you know, like, this is my blog. When I had a blog, this is the thing that I do. Let's have a coffee. Let me, let's have a conversation. Let's have a Zoom chat, whatever we're doing. Um, and so when you ask why is it necessary and you backtrack, you know, you can get to a better answer. So I was able to extract myself from a big networking room and instead go into collaborations and, you know, tapping into opportunities with people who are established or ready room, which I'm a lot more comfortable in. So you can just change your environment like that. So let me ask you a question then. Yes. Was one hard and one easy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the hard one for me was learning how to do in-person networking. I'm still terrible at it, Um, super awkward. Um, But the easy one for me was being genuinely connected to people who I like and having real conversations one-on-one without, you know, expecting them to become clients. So looking at collaboration ways. So yes, one was hard and one was easy for me. So we have this this myth, I think, that things, in order for you to be demonstrating that you're doing the work, that you're doing hard work, that you're trying, Mm. that it takes a lot of effort and it has to be hard. And sometimes it does, you know, you do have to work hard and you do have to push against things that are uncomfortable and you do have to be courageous and step outside your comfort zone. But there's a difference between things being, you know, challenging and mm-hmm. things being hard yeah um, and I know that, the, that, that this hard ease um, binary is something that you talk a little bit about so can you share your thoughts on that it's oh my god you've hit on my favorite topic yes I am happy it is such a big thing right I mean 
Okay, so I definitely identify as a bit of an overachiever, like a high achiever. And I think that anyone listening who also identifies as someone who sets high standards for yourself, we experience this more than almost anyone else because we Mm. have grown up with and we have got used to working hard, right? So we've got some great skills, some great habits, but the anything – I always say there's always a shadow side. (laughs) When something good happens, there's a shadow side. And the shadow side of being someone who will push through and do the work is that we have not trained ourselves to look for ease. And if we haven't trained ourselves to look for ease, we haven't trained ourselves to find and honor what I call your superpowers. So here's here's how this works. I'll break it down. Because when I first heard this, I was really resistant. So um, I'll share, share how I came to it. The idea is that we all have strengths. We all have a way of showing up where when we do it, things fall together, that you get outsized results when you do that sort of thing or show up in that way. We all have that. I call that your superpower. For some people, it's uh, connecting with others. Um, For some, it's going to be how they present things. There's like a billion different ways of, of having different superpowers. The thing is though, your superpowers feel easy. So we ignore them right? So if I, if one of my superpowers is speaking like on stage, I know this from experience, that's the last thing I did. That was the last thing I bothered looking at because doesn't everyone do that easily? Doesn't everyone have like no fears about that? Of course not. Like that's the thing people fear the most. But for me, because it was easy, I never thought to make it a lead thing in my career. Like I didn't take it seriously, even when people told me. I was like, no, that's fine. But I have to go and look at the hard back end stuff because that feels valuable. That feels smart. And that's what we all do. We find there's something that we do or a few things that we do really, really well. And we minimize how important and valuable they are. And instead, we look at the things, I call it your second best strengths, your secondary strengths. And we look at our secondary strengths, which are the things that you do okay. You're pretty good at it. In fact, you probably have based a lot of your career on it. And you've probably got a lot of praise for it because you've pushed through, you've worked hard, and therefore it worked. Now, the problem with that is you can get away with that in a job. But when you are in a business, you are your biggest asset. And if your biggest asset is running in second gear all the time, you're setting yourself up for things not working very well. It will work okay, but it will always feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill. It will always, right? It always feels like there's, there must be another way that's just a little easier. Why is it that they're doing it so much more easily? And so all of these things, and I share this because these are the clues and the answer is actually to find and use our superpowers, which we don't do because they feel too easy. So if I had been in that mindset, I would have stayed in that networking room and I would have gone to courses and I'd have got good enough at it to probably be, I would have been better than average. I'd have got through and I could have built a business and it would have taken me time, way more work, and I wouldn't have had the impact, freedom, and ease that I wanted. Not because it's a bad strategy, because it's not my strategy. Part of my Rewrite Your Career Story program is about personal brand. Yes. And I know personal brand makes people like toes curl, but it if you can get past the words personal brand and all the associations that they have, it's actually makes a lot of sense. It's common sense. It's very important to understand how personal brand works mm-hmm. because everybody has one when it comes to work, whether or not you know it, you like it, yes. you're comfortable with it. We all have one. And one of the questions that I ask my clients is, um, what is something that 
people ask you for help with again and again? And what do you seem to be able to do that others find really difficult? And when they Mm. ask themselves these sorts of questions, you're exactly right. People are like, well, I'm always being asked for help with this or, you know, to take a look at this or or to do that. But that's not a big deal. Like I always do that. Mm. It's just it, it, it comes easily to me. And that's the thing that helps them set themselves apart, if you like. And if they can play in that or play towards that, they are able to have quadrupled impact with courted effort. Exactly. That's exactly it. And it's it's so the thing is it's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Like you think bigger impact has to be more effort. 100%. But it's like if and this is where I always say to people who are like resistant to it, I say, you're allowed to put in as much effort as you want. You can put in the same amount of effort, but when you pull back and find your ease, if you're putting the same amount of effort, you might get 10x results. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Or if you're putting in too much effort, maybe you can dial it back and get the same results. Like, there's a lot of ways that it can play, but it's it's genuinely true. It's like, until we look for, until you get the idea, I am the biggest asset in what I do, and it's not about me. If this was like, if I was a piece of machinery and this was like the biggest asset in my business, I wouldn't be like, no, it's not allowed to look for its best gear. It's being like, it's it's being too prissy. It's it's being too sensitive. Like all the things we tell ourselves when we look. I'm like, no, if it was a piece of machinery, it'd be like, what's its best gear? That mm-hmm. makes sense. And I always invite people to look at it. It's I kind of like laugh about it, but it is, it's a really freeing concept to say, it's not about you in a way. It's more about you want to do something, you want to feel a certain way, and this is like a really, really great way to get there. So I do relate to the high achiever, overachiever. Um, I would probably describe myself as a a recovered workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But And you might not be able to answer this question. You probably will, but just prefacing that you might not be able to. I can definitely relate to the the push and it being hard and it's taken me some time to move into it being easy. But for people that aren't quite sure, how do you tell the difference between I'm just not trying hard enough, it's mm. challenging, or actually you're playing against your strengths? Oh, my gosh, this is a big one. So um, I'm just releasing a new thing called Secret Superpowers, which is the first time ever, like I've done this work with people for over a decade, but it's the first time I've created an actual like course that is literally about this question, about Perfect. what are my superpowers, how do I use it? So I say this because I'm actually creating that bit of content this week, so it's fr- it's front of mind. So good time to ask the question. I actually think it's multifaceted. It's not, I don't think it's just, partly it's a gut feeling. Right. Firstly, you can feel it, but I think we can take a long time or a bit of practice to hone our gut feelings, to know what a yes and a no feels like, what a resistance moment feels like. Like, There's a lot to that. So I think while that's part of the conversation is honing your intuition, I also think we, to hone your intuition properly, we actually need some metrics. We need to look at some evidence. So what I encourage people to do is to Firstly, to realize that in order to have the right intuition about it, you need to have a little bit of evidence first so you can check your intuition. So I do it in a few ways. One of them is the exercises that you're mentioning here. What can you do that others find difficult? So to be looking at your experience to date to look for evidence of where your superpowers might be. Number two, um, I aside from that, 
also looking at different personality profiles. So I encourage people to take have a mixture of different profiles. I recommend a couple that you do and that will give you what I love about profiles is that it gives you you plug stuff in and it gives you different language for who you are based on what they're measuring and it's a lot more impersonal. So we don't bring our story to it. We can bring our stories when we read it, but our story didn't write that profile. It just was there. And so I will say, look at a couple of your profiles that we've done. Look at, I've got a bunch of different questions we ask to really draw this stuff out based on evidence. And we put that together to draw out what your superpowers are with a few other things. What you then do is you're using that, what I call your guiding star, which is your superpowers like in a star shape. Um, you, You take your guiding star of your superpowers. And when you have a moment of resistance, you can go and check. Is this thing that I am resisting that is feeling hard maybe, that's not feeling easy, is it even related to my superpowers or is it in the opposite field. For example, for me, um, if I'm doing, if I'm doing my taxes, which are wildly complicated, that's not in my superpowers. That's like the opposite of all my superpowers. It's actually in what I call your kryptonite. That's part of my kryptonite is detail orientation and numbers. And so if I have, if I find that hard, it is hard for me. <laughs> like it's very, very difficult. Um, and so my approach to that is that you either minimize the occurrences of it or you manage it better there's a whole, there's a whole other conversation, but that's a way of knowing is I would say, get together your evidence, you know, and we do the work, draw out your superpowers in whatever way works for you and then check against it. And so for example, if I'm saying, um, if I have to say, do a podcast interview and I'm finding something in it hard, not that that's ever happened, but let's just imagine that happened. <laughs> I mean, I found it hard or I was being resistant to it. I know that that thing is in my superpowers. So I'm like, this is probably going to be about practice, right? Mm. So this is the other thing. You know, I talk about this a lot in what in my work. Your superpowers and your strengths and who you are are their raw material. You need to practice to be good at it. Like I could stand up on stage and give a terrible talk. I mean, I could probably wing it so it would be it would be better than average, but it would not be outstanding if I didn't have the practice of standing up on stage and giving that type of talk right? I, I was like, I remember when I was writing my book, I had been writing several thousand words a week and shipping it, like actually hitting send on it to my email list for years before I wrote that book. So I knew how to write, but my first emails, they were, they were good because writing is one of my things, but they weren't at the level that they ended up being at. And mm-hmm. then when I started writing the book, I was a good writer, but I didn't know how to write a book, right? So then I had to learn how to write. And so I would say it's, it's a multifaceted thing. But so you look at where your superpowers are. Is the thing that's hard related to it? If it's not, how can you minimize it? And if you can't minimize it, how can you manage it so that you're able to show up and get through that thing and get to the fun stuff, which is part of the process? Um, and if it is in there, then maybe it's a time to look at, are you executing it in line with your who you are? Are you executing it in a way that fits? And if it's still hard, hun, this is practice. You're, you're, it's like you're now an apprentice and you're learning the craft that you really want to learn to get better and take that raw superpower and mold it into something beautiful. What I'm loving about what you're saying, not just now, but throughout this um, conversation is that balance of it's your superpower, sure, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You'll do it with ease, but it's not, you still have to practice. Just like you were saying with the, you know, don't, 
blow everything up, understand the principles, learn the rules of the the rules of the game or the environment, and then bring your whole self to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Realize that like, if you care about quality and you care about doing good work, you're going to put time into stuff, but why not just put time into your best stuff? Like when I write something, if I write a newsletter that really hits home, because you know, I write the Friday love letters. I think you're on my list, but I write the Friday love letters every Friday is my favorite thing. I actually started them again after a several year gap. I started them again this year. And in my Friday love letters, the ones that hit home the most, I rewrote those things 20 times. Like storytelling in that way is one of my superpowers, but the ones that hit home the most, yes, they flew out, but I was able to get that last 10% up because I put time in and I was able to, you know, I put the craft in. So I think that there's like, I'm very conscious. I talk a lot about things being easy because we have so many messages that work is hard and work is hard in order to be valuable. And that does not serve you or your business or the people you want to touch or your life because it's not true. The truth is that the work that you're going to have the most impact with is going to be in line with your superpowers and you pulling it off will have more ease. But you pulling it off in the way you want to will involve practice and it will involve work. Does that that distinction is pretty important. And I think that the over like overlay to that is and you still want to do the thing. Like at the end of the day, even though every morning there might be some resistance as we get into the day, um, at the end of the day, you still want to do the thing. You know, there's still, I always ask people when they're feeling that way, I say, do you still feel like you have to do this or that you get to do this? Because saying I get to do this work, even if I'm going through a moment of learning, if you feel like, oh my God, I get to do this. That is an energy that can carry you through a lot. But if you're like, no, it's, I do not feel like I get to do this. I feel like I have to do this and this is awful. Now we have something we need to talk about tweaking. Easy doesn't mean not doing the work. And hard doesn't have to mean you're pushing up against something that you really have no business pushing up against because it's playing against your strength. So understanding those distinctions, I think, is really, really important. Absolutely agree. It's like always check in with what your strengths and superpowers are, and that will give you a huge clue. You know, I always just, I, I, the amount of times I say to people, why would you make it harder than it is? <laughs> like who's, who's being served by that exactly, right? Your inner critic is being served. That's it. That's all that's getting served by it. You won't get better results. Like straight, I'll tell you now, you will not get better results by doing that. You have just hit on one of my biggest stories that I had to overcome in my business actually Ooh. I worked on I worked with a coach in the interim while I was working out my notice period I worked with a coach and I thought I was going to be as as so often happens when you work with coaches I thought I was going for one thing and and came upon something mm. else and I didn't realize that I held this belief thank goodness I caught it it didn't mean that it evaporated immediately but I had this belief that success was possible because I'd proven that to myself, I'd had a successful corporate career. Success was possible, but it had to hurt. It had to be difficult. Ooh. It was a really big one. I didn't even, I mean, that's the thing about these beliefs and these stories that we tell ourselves. We often don't do that consciously. It's just internalized. But that was a big one for me. Mm. You know, I had, I mean, we're very similar. I had that. And I found something that was really interesting was I was very good at convincing myself and finding evidence for that to be true. And be, and of course, like it's everyone else who has that. You know, I, it, things only work for me 
if I burn myself out. Things only work for me if I do this thing that I hate doing. And one day something that really flipped it for me was I realized I'd never given it a chance to not be true. So of course I correlate, like I was like, well, whenever I've had a success, I've also, and this is like hand on heart what happened, I literally ended up almost in hospital from getting sick because I would push myself so much I wouldn't listen to my body. And I did end up in hospital once, forgot to drink water for ages. Um, Like I wouldn't listen to myself Mm. and I would get genuinely sick. And I was like, but look at my results. Like, of course I got sick, but every time I get sick, I get best results. And one day I had this realization through talking to someone that of course that was the case because I never gave it an opportunity not to be. And it was a huge challenge to me to go, well, what would happen if you flipped like one part of that? And so I always do, I would say that to anyone else is like, have you given that story an opportunity not to be true yet? (laughs) And a genuine one, not one where you kind of like mess it up because you want to prove the other story. Um, It's very powerful. I really flipped that over um, like a a couple of years ago. That's a really, really, really important one. (laughs) Have you given this an opportunity not to be true? I, um, so as I said, recovered workaholic. Uh, (laughs) For me, standard working week was anywhere from, I mean, a a nice working week was 50, 55, 60 hours, but it could peak to 70, 80, I've gone beyond 80 as well. And I had to really rethink that when I returned um, from maternity leave about, it would have been three years ago. Um, It just wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to be able to do those hours um, and have a a, a little boy at home that I actually wanted to see. Mm. And so I had to get very smart about what I did and didn't do. I'd never questioned before, does it have to be this way? And it doesn't have to be that way, but you do have to ask the question and you do have to really interrogate that and really start to poke holes in the assumptions that we've made. Can I can I give you one little line that I really love to use? Mm. So one line that I really find helpful for exactly what you described is, what if this was easy? Mm, and I started that. using that. It's one of my favorite lines ever. I use it for a lot of my work now. And it's a creative question. It's not a lazy question. It's a creative question. So for example, I often do product launches. And so I remember a few years back, I was a um, partner I work with a lot on my launches and we were talking about our upcoming launch and we'd done the same product about four times before. So we knew how to, to do this launch, but I'd always had an experience of things being like a little turbulent in it. And so we set the ga- we goal and we said, what if this was easy? What if this was our most ease-filled launch and also our most successful launch at the same time in terms of like income and people, et cetera? And we were like, well, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to make this our most successful launch while making our most ease-filled launch. So now we had to find out. Like we actually had to find out the answer to that question. So what if this, and we did, by the way, was our most successful launch and it was our most easy launch. Um, and w- what it does is it gets you, your brain thinking of solutions to a question that most people never ask. Most people never ask, what if this was easy and take it seriously? Like, what if this was easy might be like, I'm writing something and I'm getting stuck. Well, if it was easy, I just talk it out. Okay. So maybe record it, go onto otter.ai, which is a AI transcription free service and get it transcribed. Maybe that would be easy. What if it was easy might be 
I would do this with a couple of other people. Okay, who are you going to do it with? Right. So when we ask the question, answers will come, maybe not on that day, but over time. So I just encourage that as a question, as a creative question for everyone. Oh, what a fantastic journaling question. What would this look like if this was easy? I agree. It's my favorite. It's my hidden, my secret weapon question. Oh, I love it. Right. We're coming to the end, but I do have a couple more questions for you um, just as we start to wrap up. Now, one of the things I have seen you talk about is staying in your lane. And stay in your lane is something that can be used to to make people make themselves small. You know, stay in your lane. You know, you have no business here. But actually you subvert that and turn that on your head a little bit. And, and it's playing to the superpowers piece that you were talking about before. But what is the power of staying in your lane? <laughs> yeah, so this is a question. I used to hate that line. I'd be like, stay in my lane? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, who do you think you are? It's like It felt like get in your box. And I hated it. And it took me a while to realize, well, Let's be honest, most of the people who use that, that's what they mean. So let's, let's just reclaim that line. So the way I like to reclaim that line is to say, number one, like stay in your lane means stay in the, like stay in your playground, stay in the playground that is you at your best. That is you at when you're feeling like you're in your flow with things. And the thing is, we assume that stay in your lane can be really narrow, but if you're an interesting human, your lane is miles wide. There is a lot of room to play. But what when I say your lane, I mean show up and do things that really fit who you are, that really fit where you want to go. So stay in your lane for one person might mean you start a business with the aim of having this income and working four days a week. And now you're a year in and people are now, you're now in these communities where people are talking about this other level of income and working seven days a week. You know what your lane is. Your lane looked that way when you started. Is it still the case? Probably is. So stay in your lane and don't get distracted by someone else's lane. So that's one of the things is getting distracted by other people's goals. The other way I use it is to do with your superpowers, which is stay in your lane of this is where you show up at your best. And, you know, if you go on Instagram, you see an ad that says, you know, grow your business in this other way. And you know, that way is not you. Don't click the ad. Or if you do, maybe like just close the page, like close that tab. (laughs) Like, you know, don't look at the thing. And that's what I mean by stay in your lane. It's not like a restrictive statement. It's actually a freeing statement going, your lane is awesome. It is fun. It is where you want it to be going. Don't let others just drag you into their lane or for you to second guess yourself. So that, that to me is what I mean by that. Beautiful. So it sounds like you've got quite a few bits um, coming out soon in terms of how pe- helping people to find their superpowers mm. and also your Friday love letters are hitting inboxes again. Where's the best place for people to go if they want, to, <laughs> if they want more of this goodness and they want to find out um, how they can get involved in the work that you do? Well, the first, if you're on Instagram, this is easy. Just go to Free Range Marianne and look at the link in my bio. It's like a one-stop shop, so you can go and see what's like current now. Definitely put your name down for the Friday love letter as it is, and that's in the link in my bio on Instagram. It's where I like share my good stuff. Um, I also talk about if you're interested in secret superpowers, and this is out in time, um, then you'll see a link to that there. If you're not on Instagram or it's not your thing, just go to free-range-humans.com on the front page, put your name in any of the email boxes and you will get my Friday love letter and you'll see more about 
all the other things like secret superpowers if that is currently on. And if not, there's always other good stuff coming up. Fantastic. Well, Marianne, thank you so, so much. I can't tell you how much your book and the work that you do influenced my latest rewrite and the the rewrites of so many of my clients as well. So it's been an absolute joy to have you on the show. Oh, this has been so much fun. And I love that you have been doing this for just a year. I just, I can't wait to see where you go with this. The Rewriters is produced, written and presented by Monique Shaw, original artwork by Kiana Perry and original music by DJ Cinnamon.